Say, I'm ready. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. You brave some weather to get here. God has got some blessings for us today. Believe it with all my heart. If you're new, I've already met a couple of you. If this is your first time, I know Casey said it, but I got to say it again. Welcome home. We're super excited that you're here. My name is Monty, and you've walked into um, a series that we're doing called Timeless. Say timeless. Timeless. See, we believe that in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. So two weeks ago, we started the, the series by talking about what's really timeless, eternity. So if you got questions about where you're going after you die or what it's going to be like, go back and watch that message if you missed it. I'm telling you, we believe that when we understand eternity, it truly will change how you live today. Believe that with all my heart. So that was two weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Casey brought the word of God to us so well. And, uh, you know, Casey, yeah, we can give it up for Casey. He, he does all right. You know what, though? Don't cheer too loud because what Casey did do, I noticed he put a picture of me up, my sophomore prom. Some of you saw that. You know, the white tux, the pink shirt. Some things you can't unsee, right? That, that probably brought some of you closer to Jesus, I'm guessing. Uh, maybe not. But I noticed Casey, when he was showing the picture of me, he showed a couple of him, but he didn't pick any good ones. Like, he picked some from, like, middle school or something. I said, Casey, what about your high school pictures? So I had to dig a little bit for this. But I, so I dug, and check this picture out. This is Casey when he was a junior. And uh, do we have that picture? Look at him. You think I'm uh, trendy. I mean, that's kind of the look Casey gives me when I say, Casey, you're preaching next week. And Casey's like, what? Yeah, no, so, yeah, that's Casey when he was a junior. Um, I don't know what kind of an adventure you were on there, Casey, but that's weird. Um, so... You know, Casey, in the message last week, it said, when we trust God with our first and our best, God's going to bless the rest. You believe that? Uh, it's a true statement. And I've not only talked about it, but I've seen it in my life. And you'll hear about that today. And what I'm not saying there is, is when you put God first, you're, everything's okay. Everything's always great. The, the blessings are just, there's never anything that goes wrong. Because you're still going to get slapped in the face. You're still going to wake up to, you know, 10-foot snowdrifts. You're still going to struggle in areas of your life. But you'll be able to handle it. You'll be able to deal with it. But I'm telling you, I think I, I try to put God first in my life. But the other day, it wasn't the other day, it was two weeks ago, God tested me in an area. So I'm out getting the, I'm out getting the, uh, the mail, and I get, we get this letter, and I'm like, it's addressed to my wife, Jody. Uh, it's from, like, the Sioux City Police Department. And I thought, okay, now what you do, you know? But uh, so I get this letter, and I open it up, and it's, this, it's like this ticket, this speeding ticket that Jody got. And so I know you can't see it, but I'll just tell you, it's her car and her plates. And so she drove through Sioux City, and she got a speeding ticket, not by, not by a guy or a girl, but by um, a, a camera. Thank you. A camera. So I'm like, okay, a $100 ticket from a speeding camera. So I, the first thing I thought to myself is, what is wrong with Sioux City? Like, seriously, they need Jesus in that city more than I've ever heard in my life. I mean, who gives tickets? For, I mean, a, 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 a camera? I, I was so beside myself. So I thought to myself, okay, they need Jesus in Sioux City. And then I thought, now I got to have a conversation with Jody. Because Jody's always kind of getting on me about my driving. I'm like, Jody, says 62 and a 50. We had, we had to talk. So we had to have a conversation. Those are tough in marriages, but sometimes you got to do it. But that's only half the story. Because two days later, it was crazy. I was getting the mail. And there was a letter addressed to me from the Sioux City Police Department. Guess what it was? It was this. Now, I know you can't see it again, but this is my car. And uh, 
that's my license plate. And, and it said, Monty, you were doing 63 in a 50, because I always got to one-up Jody. And uh, Jody and I are pretty smart. Like, like we both traveled to Sioux Falls this, this particular weekend. We drove separately so we could get two tickets. I mean, that's pretty smart. Um, so, so you got to understand, I was already, like, upset about the 100 bucks. That t- and then I get this, and I'm like, my first thought was, okay, I'm going to kill somebody. Are you kidding me? Second thought, how am I going to hide this from Jody? I didn't know. I thought, this is, I don't, you know. So, yeah, we struggle. And it's funny because finance, when it comes to marriage or relationships, you know it's a big deal. It's the number one reason people get divorced. It's the number one reason that people fight. Um, but, it, but it's crazy. But yet, we wonder, and I wonder sometimes why the church is afraid to talk about it. And I get it because there's, there's a stigma and people think, oh, the church just wants my money and all this stuff. And I used to think those same things, but I didn't get it. So I grew up in a church that it was like when they did the offering, it was different. Like the ushers, they'd come and they had these long sticks, you know, and there'd be a basket at the end of it. You ever seen those? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it would telescope all the way down to you, way at the end. And the usher kind of like hover in front of me and kind of hit, hit me with it and beat me with it. And I'm like, dude, that's abuse. You can't do that. You know, but that, that's, so I didn't understand it and it was really never really taught on. So I didn't understand what it meant when we did this offering time. I thought, well, the church just wants our money. But what I found out was the reason Jesus would talk about it more than anything else is because Jesus knew that money's a big deal in our lives. It isn't. It's okay to say that. It's okay to even want money. I mean, when you, when you put God first, I think God wants to bless you in many areas of your life. But Jesus he obviously thought it was important. So I, I, it always kills me. Like, why would, why would we? I mean, the world's talking about it. We're talking about it in our households. The, everybody's talking about it. That's what we work a lot of times for. But yet we're not going to talk about it in the church. And I'm like, well, okay, if we're, if we're a church centered on Jesus, we should probably talk about what Jesus talked about the most. And, and you know what changed me? It's when I heard a message from my pastor. Because my, I, went, I, I got saved in a church 11 years ago a church in Sioux Falls that's a lot like Meadows. And I'll tell you something. When I heard a message that said, you know what, Monty, it's not about God needing anything from you, but it's that God wants something for you. And I'm like, okay, that intrigued me, you know? I'm like, well, what do you mean God wants something for me? And they started to unpack God's word. Like if you missed last, week, last week's message with Casey and you don't understand that topic, please go watch that message. It will literally change how you think about it. But Jesus did talk about money more than anything else, more than love, more than grace, more than forgiveness, more than salvation, more than any of that. Why? Because he knew that we're going to struggle. He knew that we were going to be tempted to put our money in our possessions before our God. He already knew it. And so, so like in Matthew 6, 24, I think we have it on the screen. It's one of the first sermons that Jesus ever teaches. And he says it straight up. No one can serve both. You'll hate one, you'll love the other, you'll be devoted to one, you'll despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. He doesn't say you can't have both God and money. He just says you can't put one before the other, or money before him. He's got to be first. When he's first in the area, he blesses your life. So, and I'll be straight up, if my church where I got saved would have never talked about the topic, I'll tell you I'd still be in bondage, uh, in debt, in bondage to, to that. I would, uh, I would not be, like, leading at the level I am. And I'll be so bold to tell you that Meadows Church wouldn't even exist. It would not exist. If I would have not have listened to what God was saying in this area. That's how big it was for our, for our lives. And so I just need you to know that. So, you know, tithing. 
I'd never even heard that word a dozen years ago. Didn't even know what it meant. Thought like he's literally speaking Greek. I don't even know what he's saying. But tithing means 10%. Return 10% to God. Return 10% of your income to God through the church. And he blesses the rest. It's all his. He asks for 10% back. Why? Because he needs it. God don't need nothing from us. It's because he has something for us. This, this, it changed me. But yet we look at stats and we can say that 94% of people don't tithe. Of Americans. That's a lot. And that's an accurate statement. 94%. We can, we can look at another stat that says 8 out of 10 live paycheck to paycheck. Now, we can look at those things and think, okay, is there a correlation there? And there is. And this is, this is what my pastor said it to me. He said, and we were paycheck to paycheck. And so, you know what? Some weeks we still are. We're not, I, I'm not going to act like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm just so blessed in so many areas. I don't do things right with my money sometimes. I get stupid sometimes. I do dumb things. But I'm telling you something. The, 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 there is a correlation. And my pastor said, Monty, and I, I always said, I can't afford to tithe. And I think that's what people say a lot. I can't afford to give back. 10%, that's a lot. And I, so I, I don't think people don't do it because, well, the church just wants my money. Or I don't think most people think that way. I don't even think it's because they're greedy or bad people. I don't think that at all. I, I think they, they, either they don't get it. They've never heard someone teach on it. What does it, what's it mean to give back? Why are we doing that? So teach on it. And then, and then they would say, I can't afford it. I think that's a very common answer. That's the answer I would have given you most of my life. I just can't afford it. I mean, I got bills, man. I'm, I'm, it's crunch time every time. So I can't, I can't afford it. But, but my pastor said, you can't afford not to. And I didn't really understand that. But again, I don't want to go too much on last week's message, but I looked at those stats and I thought, okay, most people don't tithe and most people are paycheck to paycheck. Do we want what most people have? Like when you look at how our world is going and how people are living, that's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Do I want, do I really want what most people have? Like most people struggle in that area. Most people are, it, it's, it's every, I mean, it's the number one thing we talk about because it's the number one thing we struggle with. But do, do you want to live what, like most people are living? I don't. I don't. And that brings us to our main point. If you want what most people have, do what most people do. It's very simple. If you want today what few people have, do what few people do. Okay, this is the key. This is the key. And I'm not just talking money. I mean, we, can, we all get that. We all can relate to that. We all, that's why Jesus would talk about it a lot. But that is not all I'm talking about. So God brings me to this scripture for you today. I am so excited about this message. I, if you brought a Bible or you have a mobile device with a Bible app, go to a book in the New Testament called Philippians. So you can go to Philippians what, chapter 4, verse 15. If you don't have those things, I'm going to put it up on the screen. But I always love you to bring your Bible so you can write in it, you can underline it. God's going to speak to you today. God's got a word for you today. God didn't bring you here through the wind and the snow just to hang out for an hour and leave and not get nothing. I promise you. So, so check it out. So the New Testament, so that's Jesus is born to Mary and Joseph. That begins the New Testament. Old Testament is before that happened. So in the New Testament, that happens, and Jesus lives, dies, uh, rises, goes up into heaven, sends his Holy Spirit, and the, new, and the church is birthed. The church Meadows, all the, the church begins. And Paul was one of the big instruments in the first churches. So do we, that map, do we have a map? I love showing maps because then I get to use this pointer. So, so here, this is Turkey right here. So where it says Galatia, that's modern day Turkey. Down over to the right, Jerusalem, where Jesus hung out a lot, where Jesus died and rose. Uh, Bethlehem is right in here too. So this is where all of the Bible pretty much takes place right in there and up here. That's where, that's where it happened. So this, again, modern-day Turkey, 
over here, over here is Rome, you know, Italy, all that's still there. So, but, so Paul is planting these churches. Um, and, and so Philippi is the church that we're teaching of today. That's the Philippians lived at this, were there. Paul's writing it from Rome over here. Paul's in prison writing a book to the Philippians on joy. Again, don't let your circumstances dictate, you, dictate what God has for you. So Paul's in prison in Rome, writing to an early church, a church that's a lot like Meadows, a church plant, just getting going, just getting started. I just need to give you some context so you understand where do these books come from? What is Philippians? Well, Paul is writing letters to these churches and to you and I, giving us instruction and encouragement. So let's pick it up. It's, it's ver- chapter 4, verse 15. He writes, as you know, he's writing it from Rome to the Philippians. As you guys know, they're in Philippi. Uh, you, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help. That's what Paul says. You're the only ones. When I first brought you the good news and then traveled on to Macedonia, no other church, say no other. No other church of all the churches, of all the places, no other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, Thessalonians, another book in the Bible, one and two. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent more help than once, or more more times than one, you sent me help. Now, I don't say this, Paul says, because I want something from you. Paul says, I'm saying this because I got something for you. Or more, more accurately, God's got something for you. It's, it's what he says. He says it, this is what he says. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need. So Paul's taken care of. Paul even says, I got more than I need. I mean, I'm good. You guys have taken care of me so well. I got more than I need. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with uh, Epra, F, this dude, um, Epra, that guy. Uh, so anyway, so it almost, that's not a name. That's like a diagnosis. I mean, what? Anyway, so they are, sweet smell, they are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19, and this same God who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. This is so amazing. So Paul, what are you saying? Paul's basically saying, you know what? You, you, Philippi, this new church, church plant meadows, you, you met my one need. Now my God is going to meet all your needs. This is what he says. It's amazing. And if you think it was easy for like the, 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 the Philippi church to hang out and say, gosh, Let's collect money and give it to Paul in Rome. I mean, it wasn't easy. I, I'm guessing when they gathered with the elders and sat down with them and hung out and said, all right, elders, leaders of the church, here's what we're going to do. We're a brand new church in Philippi. We have nothing. We have no building. We've got no stage. We've got no soundboard. I know that hurts Matt to hear, but they had no soundboard, no fog machine, nothing. How do you do church without a fog machine? How? How? We do it. Um, anyway, so, so anyway, they have nothing. And they're saying, you know what? We really are a church plant scrapping to get by, but we're going to take an offering today. And we're going to send it to Paul in Rome. He's in prison. He helped launch the church. We're going to do that. And they're like, are you kidding me? We, we, we can barely get what we need for our people, for our church. And you want us to collect all this and send it with that one guy to, to Paul. And they're like, yep. And like, all right. Gosh, I guess if you want what few people have, you do what few people do. If you want what few churches have, you do what few churches do. So they do it. The Bible says not once or twice, but multiple times. 
Multiple times they send it to them. And what happens? They, they gave not because of what they had in their pockets. They didn't have much because of what was in their heart. That's why that church was able to give like that. And guess what? The church in Philippi, they were incredibly blessed. Why? Because they were givers. All their needs were met. Why? Because of their generosity. Do you, don't you see? At the end of the day, it is only by giving that we're able to receive more than we already have. This is how God works. And that's what so many people don't get. I feel like, God, if I return to you, I'm going to lose it. God says, don't you? It's, that's when you get it. Release what you're holding on to, your little ideas, what you think is good. Release it to me. And watch what I do in your life. It, it was, it's so key. It's only by giving that we're able to receive more than we already have. God's math never adds up in our head. But I'm here to tell you, I, I want to do what few people do because I want what few people have. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm a giver. Tell your neighbor I'm a giver. Now turn to the neighbor, the one that you ignored the first time, your other neighbor, and tell them, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. I love it. Some people ain't sitting by, they're just t t talking to nobody. That's okay. We're weird at this church. So here's the thing. You're a giver. Look up here. You're a giver. And you, maybe you've never given anything. Maybe you've never given back to a church. Maybe you've never given back to God. Maybe you don't even give to, I mean, you just, that's not your heart. I'm here to tell you, whether you've done it in the past or not, you are a giver. And the sooner that you start to understand that reality and that truth, the sooner God will start to radically change your life. How do I know you're a giver? Well, you're created in the image of an almighty God. And he is the ultimate gift giver. That's how I know you're a giver. That's how I know it's in your heart. That is how I know because God says you are. So it's crazy. I'm researching this week as I'm preparing for this message. I'm already starting to think about next week's series we're starting. You hear we're starting a series called Mentally Messed Up, right? I cannot wait for the series. So I'm researching for that series. And by the way, I don't know if there's anybody more messed up in the room than the one who's talking right now. I got to tell you, your pastor has got issues. I, I'll tell you what happened, but don't, I, let's keep it between us, okay? So two weeks ago, I'm watching Jake at wrestling practice. Jake is my 11-year-old son. And if you've got kids, you know, they go on activities, and sometimes there's a big window, and all the parents are on this side of the window watching our kids in gymnastics or tumbling or wrestling, and we're, like, telling the other parents how great our kid is and all that. And I'm watching Jake, and uh, I just, I just kind of, you know, it's, it's an hour, and I kind of lose focus. And there's a guy sitting in front of me, and he's sitting down, and I'm standing. And he's texting on his phone. So I find myself, I'm like, oh. And I start to look down at his phone, I'm like, oh. I don't know. I do not normally do this, but I, I, did, I did that day. So I get sucked into this, and I'm like, <laughs> it's a, and I start kind of reading the text a little bit, and I don't know, and I'm just drifting off, and I'm zoning in this guy, and he must have felt my presence hovering over him. This is so sad. So all of a sudden, out of the blue, he, he stops, and he looks up like this, and I'm like, and I immediately turn this way and start talking to somebody like I wasn't doing it. Here's the issue. There's nobody next to me, so I'm talking to nobody. So not only, he not only does he know I'm nosy, he thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, hey, and I'm a pastor too. You want to come to church? I mean, it was so bad. I don't, uh, uh, I don't know. So anyway, I'm, that series is probably more for me more than anybody else. But it's for anybody that's not okay up here. Anybody. Maybe that's you. Come back next week. God's going to bless you. You know somebody that struggles with mental illness, mental health in any way? Next week is for them. Bring them with you. I'm telling you, if you're not okay, this is the place for you. We are a church where it's okay to not be okay.
But aren't you grateful there is a man named Jesus who says that we don't have to stay that way, that he can change us, that he can make us new through his word, through his truth, and through his sacrifice? I cannot wait. Man, say there's hope. I hope you believe that. There is incredible hope. So back to us. So I'm studying for that message real quick or that series, and God shows me something for today. It's not, so I'm, I'm researching the mental thing and I'm looking it up and all of a sudden I come across this stat. Check this out. It's about our kids. It's about teaching our children, the younger generation about giving. This article said teaching your children how to be blessed. Isn't that interesting? That's what I'm telling you. When you give, you're blessed. This is the whole point. Listen to what it says. It says giving has been shown or proven to reduce adolescent depression and suicide. So, so if we teach our kids to be generous, and we teach our kids to give, it actually helps their mental being. That's what it says. They did a study on it, and that's what it showed. That's what it proved. And I thought to myself, that makes perfect sense. And you might think, well, why would that be? It's easy. You're teaching your kids to be like Jesus. See, when you teach your kids to be like Jesus, the greatest gift giver, obviously it's going to help them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. This is the key. You know, if we, don't, if we don't do that for our kids, teach them about generosity and to be givers, we're actually doing them a disservice. We're putting them at a disadvantage. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say it for me. Sometimes I've been guilty. I'm like, oh, I gotta get my kid that. We gotta give them that. Gotta do that. They're doing that, so we're gonna do that. And I think to myself, well, no, stop. Our kids don't need more. What we need to do is teach our kids to give more because when they give like nobody else, they're going to live like nobody else. This is so key. That I want that for me. I want that for them. I truly believe this because I've seen it. Paul, he, he, in Acts, you know, the guy who wrote this letter to Philippi, he says this in Acts 20, 35. He quotes Jesus Christ. This is what he says. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. And I hear that, and, and, and when, I, when I put that in the notes, I thought to myself, he, he's right on. Now, do I like to get, get, get gifts? Yeah, you bet I do. But there's something about being the gift giver that is radically different. And I saw it in Austin, Texas last year when my family and I went to, we had a wedding there. So we're in Austin, and we're hanging out downtown, just never been to there before. So we're checking it out, and there's, you know, it's a nice climate in Austin, and uh, there's homeless people, quite a few of them, just out because it's nice outside. And my kids have never seen a lot of that. So we ran across this one guy, and I don't carry cash. I just don't carry a lot of cash on me. But we, we, had a, we just ate, so I had a bunch of food in a to-go box, you know, just a, basically a full, huge meal. And um, so I saw an opportunity, and I said, Jake, I said, you want to go give this to that guy? And Jake's like, Jake's like, yeah, yeah, Dad, I'll do it. He got excited about it. And I kid you not, I, I look at the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than receive. And I watched Jake go over to the guy, give him the to-go box, and I watched the guy light up, but he lit up nothing compared to what Jake did. I mean, it was like he was, Jake was just jumping for joy and just glowing. He comes back to me. He's like, oh, my gosh, Dad. And he was so excited. And I'm like, isn't that the heart? Isn't that the heart that I, I and I, you know, I, I gave him an opportunity to give. But this is God's heart. God is such a giver. And I think if we understand that God doesn't want something from us, he doesn't need anything from us, but he has something for us, it will change our heart. That's why we've been talking about Financial Peace University. 
That's why we're, we're starting that tonight. Some of you, you're not even signed up yet. You're going to sign up today, I promise you. It won't be me telling you. It'll be God. This, this Financial Peace University is a nine-week course that literally has got more scripture and more spiritual teaching. It will change your life. It did mine. Say hope is real. It is. That's what she said. You know what else they said that just hit me right there? The last couple that said something, they said, we've never given more and we've never been more blessed. I made that statement. I make it multiple times now, actually. Never dreamed I'd make that statement. That, that you could possibly be generous and give, tithe, and even give above and beyond. Not just to church. I'm talking about sponsoring kids or being able to give to somebody that's struggling in the moment, helping somebody who can't pay rent, whatever it is. And I've never had more. Now, when I tell you that I've never had more, I'd say financially, that's true. But if I just tell you that's just about my finances, man, I'm underselling God. I'll tell you what, that's, the financial piece is the least of it. It is the least of it. What, what we fail to understand, or I'll t tell me what I, what I fail to understand is that when I get under the umbrella of God and what he says to do when I trust him in areas that are hard to trust him, especially money, God blesses us. This is the whole thing. And, and most people aren't gonna get that blessing. They won't because they can't get there. They don't know how. Maybe they're not given the tools. Maybe they're not given the word of God. I don't know what it is. But for me, it's just like I didn't, I didn't want it. I just thought that doesn't make sense. That math doesn't add up. But when I tell you that God has blessed me, I'm telling you. And after Jody and I took Financial Peace University, I reflect back about what God started to do in our hearts and our life. Listen to me. I was a drug addict. Dead to my sin, hiding it in a marriage, hiding it from family, hiding it from friends. So, so what did God do? This isn't finance, I'm talking life. He would deliver me from a drug addiction that should have killed me. He would restore a marriage that shouldn't have been restored. He would, he would like give me a platform to lead at a level I should not be leading at. He, he, would, he would give a vision about a church called Meadows that I mean, we should have never been planted. And guess what? I could have given you every excuse why none of those things should have happened. Every excuse why I should be dead in addiction right now. I mean, I couldn't stop. It was no longer a choice. I mean, it was, there, there's no, I remember thinking, I'm, I'll, I'll die. This is how I'm going to die. This is how I'm going to die. And I believed it with every bit of my being. Every bit of my being. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die this way. And I could have gave you every excuse why. I could have given you every excuse why my marriage would never be put back together, ever. Why my kids would never want a relationship with their dad. I could give you every excuse. Every excuse why I'm not qualified to lead at any level. Every excuse why Meadows Church, are you kidding me? It is a pipe dream. A church? Every excuse. But breakthrough begins when the excuses end right? Breakthrough begins when the excuses end. And, and not only has God done all those things, even up to the point of Meadows Church, and brought us to a place of growth here, but he's brought us to a place where we're thriving so much that we're going to go next week from one to two services to reach more people in the name of Jesus Christ. See, we're not waiting on a move of God. We are a move of God. That's what God is doing. And he's just getting started.
And that's just my story. What do you think he wants to do in you? Why do you think he would bring you through snow and drifts the size of the building to bring you here today? Why would, is that a coincidence? No, it is not. God has something for us. For me, I don't know, maybe this is you too, but I've, sometimes I think we just hold out before we go all in. It's where we get the title of the message. We sell out for so little instead of going all in for so much. Financial Peace University, I'm telling you, you could, you could make excuses. Well, it starts tonight and we got stuff going on, snow, whatever. I know you could, but you're here. If you can make it here, you get there tonight. Nine weeks to change your life. Table right out there waiting to talk to you. Ah, it's a hundred bucks. You'll make that hundred bucks up in the first week. You'll make that hundred bucks up in the first week. God, see, there's nothing more powerful than a personal testimony and change life. Sometimes you can hear it from the pastor because that's what the pastor is supposed to say. I'm telling you. That's why I give you personal stories about my dysfunctional, messed up life. Because only God can do it when we get under his umbrella. Is it hard? Yes. My gosh, does it make sense? No. I don't understand your math, God. But when God calls you to act on faith, it will never make sense and it will never be easy, but it will always be worth it. It always will be. This is so key that we get this. One more scripture, Luke 12, 21, again from our King Jesus. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Don't miss that. Notice, notice Jesus doesn't call him a fool because he's rich. God has no problem with you being rich if he's first. Trust me, he has no problem with it. He calls him a fool because he's rich in things that are temporal rather than things that are timeless. Say timeless. Timeless things that go on forever. Investing in people, investing in your church, investing in things that matter to God will change people. I can't, I, I love talking about giving. Never thought I would. Never thought I would. But you know, when I talk about giving, I got to talk about the gospel because you can't talk about the gospel without talking about giving. A rich relationship with God. The first thing God gave me was a relationship with him when I truly got under his umbrella. Some of you, you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't even maybe know what that means. That's, that's why God has you here. Trust me, nothing is more important. Financial peace, should you do it? Yeah, but, it, but this first things first. Say first things first. First things first. Sounds like a title from a message last week. I'm here to tell you something. First things first is Jesus Christ died on a cross to save us from ourselves and from our sin. It's true. It's a true statement. He died. He lived a sinless, spotless life. Died on a cross. Rose from the dead three days later. True story. To defeat sin. Defeat death. To take all of our dysfunction. All of our chaos. All of our mess ups. And, and, and nail it to the cross. So what does that mean, Pastor? How do I, what do you mean relationship? It means you, you, you believe in Jesus Christ. That he is who he said he was. You call on his name. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to be made new. You say that. Mark it on your card. Those are crucial for us because we celebrate those we pray for those and we walk with you if you've never done it mark down you want to give your life to christ today the prayer team will pray with you we will walk with you but others of you you have the head knowledge of jesus like i had you believe but you're not following it's like you, you, i believe in you jesus but my actions don't really add up i look like the world i don't look like the few i look like the many if that's you and you've gotten off track maybe you're not, there's an area that's not maybe it's your finance 
and you know that you haven't surrendered to God, surrender to him today. Recommit your life to Christ. Whatever it takes. Jesus said it. Don't do anything else unless you know Jesus Christ. This is so key. Timeless. I tell you, this side of heaven is not timeless. It's short. Life is short. Death is sure. Sin is the cause, but Jesus Christ is the cure. This is what you need. That's who we need. Jesus, we need you. So I'm telling you something. Closing out the message, I'm praying on Monday. And this is crazy. I, either I thought, God, either I'm mental, which I am, or this is from you, so I need you to like be clear with me here. God says... We're going to have an offering at the end of this Timeless series. So that end of today. Okay, well, we normally don't do that. And God says, Monty, what are you preaching on? You know, right? I said, yeah, we want what few people have. You do what few people do. What did the church in Philippi do? They did what few churches were doing. They gave when it made no sense. Zero sense. It made zero sense. But they did it. Most churches in America aren't growing like meadows. Can I say that? Is that Okay for us to hear some truth. Most churches in America are dying. So I never want to take for granted what God is doing in our church, and I never want his hand to leave our church. God, we want to be obedient to you. We want to do what you tell us to do. So if, we're, if I'm asking the church to be obedient, then I need to be obedient. And God says, okay, well, let's do an offering. But it's not like the offering I, I normally think of. This is what made it so difficult for your pastor. God says, who's the generous one? I said, you are, Father. That's what I tell him every week. Who's the big, great, great gift giver? God is. Who's the more, most generous one in the world? God is. Who doesn't want something from you but has something for you? God does. And God says, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to show my generosity. Or, or, or let me get more specific, Monty. I'm going to show my generosity. And I'm going to give back to the church. Because there's no greater investment in the world than God's church. I believe it with all my heart. And I'm looking at his church. I'm looking at his church. You're the church. And if you can have, if you, if, if, if I, this is what God's telling me. And I, I was like, okay, God, what are you thinking? And he directs me to say, you know what? Every family in the church is going to get $100. And I'm like, God, this is what? Like a reverse offering? And I'm like, okay, either I'm crazy or God is doing something. If you want what few people have, you do what few people do. When I moved to Omaha, I, I, I never want to lose the fire of reaching lost people for Jesus. And I remember having a crazy pipe dream that I said, I'll, I'll pay people to come to church. Like, I'll be the church that will pay people to come to church. I'll give you 20 bucks to come to church with me. And I was going to go on the radio. I honestly was going to do this. This is how psychotic your pastor is. I wanted to go on the radio and say, I'll pay people. Jody, my wife, is hearing this for the first time. That's how far it got because I was like scared to tell her. I'm like, so I told my kids in the car. I said, Jake, Ava, here's what dad's thinking about doing. And they're like, oh, dad. I said, don't tell your mom, okay? So, but, so I never went on the radio, never did it. But when I talk to people face-to-face, I've done that. And I said, I'll pay you to come. I'll pay you 20 bucks to come. And you might think, well, that's not gonna work. Well, Casey's still coming. I <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> um, I, I've done that. I said, I'll pay you. I'll pay you 20 bucks. 20 bucks, just sit for an hour. You know why I do that? Because I believe so desperately in the word of God. To reach people no one's reaching, you gotta do something no one's doing. Most churches aren't growing. And most people that aren't going to church or don't believe in Jesus, they could care less if you're a new church. They could care less what your mission statement is or what your core value, they don't care. So I'm gonna meet them where they're at. I'll pay, I don't care. I'll pay you, come. 
Well, what if nothing happens? Trust me, something's gonna happen. God's word never returns void. Never. That's how much I believe in the word of God. Like I will come, just come hear the word. Come hear the gospel. Come hear the heart of your father. So my kids were on board with that. So then I thought when God gave me this thing about this offering, I said, well, I'm too scared to tell an adult right now because this seems kind of crazy. So Jake was in my office. I'm running stuff by Jake. That's my elder board. And I said, Jake, what if, what if we did, like, what if we paid every family in the church $100? And Jake's like, how many families are in the church, Dad? And I said, well, on a normal, you know, weekend, we probably have a couple hundred people in the church, so that's probably 100 families. And Jake's very good at math. He does not get that from me, but he is. And Jake did the math in his head. He's like, he goes, no. And he did. He goes, Dad, no. In other words, Jake is saying that makes zero sense. You're a church plant. We don't have a lot be honest with you. But God has provided every week for our church, amazingly. It's kind of how he works. And Jake's like, no. And as soon as Jake said, no, you know what God said? Yes. Because it made no sense. This makes no sense. What? What? So I put Jake Jake on my lap and I said, Jake, when when God said yes, I put Jake on my lap and I said, Jake, I said, Jake, do you remember that day in Austin when I gave you that food to give to that guy? I said, do you remember how that made you feel when that guy was so hungry and you brought him that food and he was just, and he was so happy. But I said, Jake, I said, I saw saw more joy in you than I've ever seen. I said, Jake, that's what God wants the people to know and feel. That when the father gives back, he's a generous God. He's a gift giver. That when God gives back, it brings him great joy. The offering will give, it'll give nobody more joy than God, I promise you. It's his offering to his church. And I'm telling you, God wants you to accept the offering. Don't sit there and look at me and say, you know what, that's a crazy idea. That's, I know it's a crazy idea. It's God. Accept this offering. Don't let pride get in the way. Don't think, oh, I know. No, that is the devil telling you that, I promise you. God is a gift giver. And he believes in his church and his people. And he wants to show the love of the Father and the generosity of him. It's about God. It's not about us. But you'll be able to do stuff. So this will be, so I'm going to have the host team come up. And we're going to play a final song. And I want you, and what's, who's a family? Well, if you're here by yourself, you're, that's your family. You're coming up. If you're here with a couple, you're, that's a family. Maybe you're here with a family, that's a family. I'm not going to micromanage it. We have a gift for you. More specifically, he has a gift for you, and you need to accept the gift. Now, what you do with it is it's yours once he gives it to you, but you know what, you know what God told me? Here's what's going to happen with some of you. Some of you are going to, that, off that $100 gift, you're going to tithe for the very first time. You're going to go home and go online and, and give 10%, and you're going to feel how it feels to, to give back, and it'll bring you great joy. Some of you, you're going you're gonna to buy someone's groceries this week. Some of you are going to uh, fill someone's gas tank. You know how the Meadows Church has grown? Through radical acts of love. Love is the most attractive thing in the world. We're not going to win people to Christ by just quoting scripture to them. I love the word of God with all my heart. But people are dying and going to hell. And they don't have a big interest in the church. But they do have a big interest in being loved. They do have a big interest in radical acts of generosity out of nowhere. It's like, where'd that come from? That's what we're going to do. Some of you are in a life group. Your life group is going to pool money together. And you're going to do something for somebody in your group or outside your group. But you're going to get crazy with it. Some of you are going to teach your kids to give. I don't know. Just do whatever God puts on your heart. That's what you do. But guess what? 
It's interesting that Financial Peace University cost $100. Some of you, you walked in here thinking, I can't afford Financial Peace University. Well, now you can. So where are my ushers? So we're going to play a final song. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to release you uh, from front to back. Don't leave. Just come up. Get your offering from God. And go back and sit down and worship with us for the final song. But they'll release you front to back. Again, this is for every family in the church. And when I say every family, I mean it. Now, if you're home and you're watching this, you know, because you wanted to just sleep in, I mean, you picked a bad day to skip church. I'm just saying. You know, I just, I'll just throw it out there. But you guys, look at me. I've wrestled with God in my life, but this week, he had to get my heart. This makes no sense for a church plant to be doing something like this, but I don't care. I don't want to make sense. I need, you to, I need you to feel God's love. I want you to know the love of the Father and his generous heart for you. Do whatever he's telling you to do, but please, please, please take the offering. Please don't sit there and say, I'm not doing, please. I don't care if you're visiting from another, I don't care if you're just here for the weekend. I don't care if you're here, it's for you. Bottom line, God loves you. God has something for you. God is not done with you. In fact, I'm going to tell you that God is just getting started with you. He is. Give him praise. Give God praise. God, you are such a great gift giver. You are so good to us. It's so funny how you have to get us to wrap around you and your vision because it's so radically different than what we think. It's the plans that you have for this church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the people that are sitting there right now listening to this prayer. You're the church. You're God's plan A. He loves you. Wrap around him today. Give your life to him today. Sell out to him today. Go all in for him today. And, and I promise you will never regret it. Heavenly Father, send your spirit. Do what only you can do. We give you glory. We know this day brings you joy. You gladly give back to your church and watch your children. Nothing brings you more delight. Nothing brings you more happiness than being a gift giver. God, change our hearts. Make our hearts more like you. Um, we thank you so much, God, for what you're doing and that you're just getting started with us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, amen.